The Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Reaper Apparel Company. Reaper Apparel offers a casual line of superb fit, finish, and comfort. We design for those who refuse to die slowly and choose to live untamed. For those who aren't afraid to face the dark, for the ones that thrive in it, and for those who can appreciate life through a grim lens. That's Reaper Apparel Company. Go to the link in the description of this episode, use the promo code Mike Bono, and get 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my own personal merch store, the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. I have hats, I have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, water bottles, notebooks, you name it, I've got it. The description and the link for that will be in the description of this episode. Also, right now, if you use the promo code WELCOME, I will give you 5% off of your first purchase. That's the Stupid Should Hurt merch store. Also, the Rod Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Tactical Brotherhood. All-American-made apparel, which helps support the Second Amendment. You can also find all this in the description of this episode with the link, Tactical Brotherhood. Part of every proceed does go to helping veterans, as it is a very good cause. All American-made products made right here in Minnesota. Go and check them out. Use the promo code PATRIOT15 to get 15% off your purchase. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ride Home Rants podcast. This is, as always, your host, Mike Bono. I have a great episode for us today, very special episode for us today. This is our St. Patrick's Day episode. Yes, I know it's coming out a day early, but I think you all can deal with that. It's a day early. It's the 16th, not the 17th, just preparing you for the fun holiday that is St. Patrick's Day. But first and foremost, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by Steve Sabo and his three books. That is Jester's Run, How to Fail at Stand-Up Comedy, and Kayla's Gone. You can find all three of these books at his website, stevesabo.com, or on Amazon. Amazon, just type in the promo code Ride Home Rants, and you will get free shipping on all of these books. Again, that's... Jester's Run, How to Fail at Stand-Up Comedy, and Kayla's Gone. I own all three of these books. I'm not a big reader. I, I, I told him this plenty of times even when he was on the show as a guest. I am in love with these books. I cannot put them down, and they are fantastic. So once again, stevesabo.com, promo code Ride Home Rants. Get these books today. They are absolute page turners. That being said... Today's episode, I actually have a very special co-host for this show, former guest Joe Cowart joins the show as a host, not a guest, because our guest today is a Notre Dame Fighting Irish fan, fitting for St. Patrick's Day, absolutely. He, t- We're going to talk a lot about this, and you know, with Brian Kelly, we're going to talk a lot about Notre Dame, and this guy's name is fantastic. His nickname is Irish Mike joins the show. Mike, thanks for joining, buddy. Thanks for having me, Mike. Look forward to it. Hey, absolutely. First and foremost, how did you become a Notre Dame fan? Um, well, I'm 53 years old, and uh, my dad and all his brothers were all Irish Catholics, and they were, you know, um, 
you'd go back to my dad was born in 1937 and he had three older brothers born in the twenties and early thirties. And you know, obviously times were much different back than they are today. So when you went through the 1940s and 1950s, he graduated in 1956. He just, uh, he and all his brothers all became big, big Notre Dame fans being Irish Catholics. And, um, you know, I don't remember a time kids ask me that in school where I teach at Holland High School Warren. Kids ask me that all the time. What are you such a big Notre Dame fan for? I said, well, I don't remember a time when I wasn't. I, my first recollection of Notre Dame game was December 31st, 1973. They played Alabama in the Sugar Bowl down in Tulane Stadium. And Paul Bear Bryant was the head coach of Alabama back then. And Notre Dame won that game 24 to 23 uh, with head coach Eric Parsegian, the cat, uh, to win that back then was the national championship. That was the biggest game of the year. It was actually on New Year's Eve, and the game got done at about 1130. So, and my dad and his brothers were all dancing around downstairs. They were national champions, and, and they beat Alabama 24 to 23. And that's my first memory of Notre Dame football. I was uh, just had turned five years old, and remember it was like it was yesterday. That is absolutely awesome that you can remember that and know, you know, the score, everything that happened, everything that that's a great memory. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast, Mike. Let me just put that into perspective for you. So to be able to remember that is fantastic. Mike, I'll have to return to kickoff that game, 91 yards for a touchdown against Alabama. They had the best special team in the country, and that helped them win game. And they, the players carried Air Parsegian off the field. And Era actually uh, coached one more year at Notre Dame the next year and uh, beat Alabama in the Orange Bowl 13-11. to That was Air Parsegian's last game at Notre Dame and, and last game as a head coach on any level when he upset Alabama 13-11 in the Orange Bowl. That would have been in January 1975 after Era stepped down and retired at the age of 51. The stress was killing him. At 51, <laughs> he was too old. He was over. <laughs> I see Joe smiling. Say, Joe, we're yeah, going to have to step our game up with my man here. He is sports knowledge right now. He's he's schooling everybody here right now. <laughs> my, I mean, that was going to be my first question. At five years old, did you know just the details you were dropping on that? That was amazing. And I wanted to know, like, what was an impactful play? And then you were like, bang, you came with the, the kickoff return for a touchdown. Yeah. Was yeah. the air, okay? So that was era. Was that around the time of uh, Rudy? Was Rudy Rudiger that? Was that the time? Correct. Very good. You know that was the transition between Rudy actually played for Era Parsegian for a couple of years as a walk-on player, and his his only game was the last game of the '75 season. That would have been Dan Devine's first year as head coach. They played Georgia Tech at home, and he actually did have a sack on the last play of the game. And they actually did carry him off the field. So all that story was not really fabricated. The players found out later that he was the first player to carry off the field. They said they wouldn't have done it had they known no one else. <laughs> um, yeah, he, Rudy's game, Rudy's season was Dan Devine's first year. Uh, Dan Devine left the Green Bay Packers as head coach to come to Notre Dame to be the head coach. Man, that. This is this. Yeah, I, I need to step my sports game up. I used to be a wealth of knowledge, man. And now I get. Yeah, that's <laughs> I can't. I watched a, a hockey game last night. I couldn't tell you the score of it last night. You know, that, that's that's where I'm at right now. Mike, that's amazing. That's so, I mean, that's side, just side note there for people listening to the podcast. If if you've never seen the movie Rudy. And, and Irish Mike and I are both teachers. I show my seventh grade class the movie Rudy every year. I think it should be uh, a require a requirement to watch uh, that type of story 
and I, I I love that movie. And I'm not the I'm not a huge Notre Dame fan. I I can take him or leave him. But that that story and that movie and everything about it, love it. So that's great when you're talking about era. I'm like, oh, I know that from Rudy. <laughs> Joe, it's kind of funny. One of my very good friends is a huge, huge diehard Ohio State Buckeye football fan, Ohio State's fan in general. And he says all the time the greatest sports movie was Rudy. He said, when it comes on, I still watch it. He said, I've watched, watched it 30 times. It's, it's such an inspirational, personal story about his life and, you know, what it takes to overcome the odds. And, you know, whether it be academically, we're educators, Joe, or athletically, you know, he was not very tall, not very strong, not very big, not very gifted, but you know, he, he had a he had a passion, and his passion was Notre Dame and playing there one day, and he got to live his dream. Yeah, that's a great story. Absolutely, yes. Joe. I agree with you a hundred percent on this, man. Like, put teach it in school, teach this in school, show Rudy everywhere. I mean, this 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 show is heard, and I think now forty one states out of the fifty states in the U.S. Guys, if there's any other teachers out there. Rudy, make it a part of your curriculum. and w- Take a day. Take a day. Watch Rudy. They'll learn a lot from Rudy. They will learn so much from this movie. Also, uh, I got to ask this, uh, Mike. Being, you know, that we're going back to the 70s now, who are some of your favorite players to play for Notre Dame? Well, obviously, go back to the 70s. You got to start with Joe Montana, right? I mean... He won the, uh, in 1977 when he's a redshirt junior, they won the national championship. Um, big wins that year over USC. And then obviously they beat, uh, Texas 38 to 10 in the Cotton Bowl that year. Notre Dame was ranked number five in the country. Texas was ranked number one and they had a running back. You guys are all familiar with named Earl Camel, who was the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, the best player in the country that year. And, um, Joe Montana hit Dr. Ken McAfee, who's a surgeon now, uh, for a couple of touchdowns in that ball game. And, uh, a local person from the Warren, Ohio area, went to Warren Western Reserve, graduated in 73 from Warren Western Reserve, named Ross Browner, uh, was a, a, a fifth-year senior on that 1977 national championship team in Notre Dame that beat Texas 38-10. to 10. So uh, Joe Montana, Ross Browner, Dr. Ken McAfee, um, Luther Bradley, uh, Bob Grable, uh, had the big block against Michigan in 1980 to win the game up in the big house. He was always a favorite of mine. Obviously, a name from Cleveland, Ohio, Joe, uh, Bob Golick was an All-American linebacker. He was not a defensive nose tackle. Remember, for the Browns in the 80s, he played nose man. But in Notre Dame, Bob Golick was a linebacker. And uh, he started three years and was on the national championship team in 77. Of course, his younger brother, Mike Golick from ESPN that we all know, went to Notre Dame and played for Jerry Faust in the early mid-80s. And we, 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 Mike, we really don't want to talk about the Jerry Faust years, okay? Those were some lean years for sure. <laughs> I, it's all big. I, I don't remember between 1981 and 85. It didn't happen, okay? <laughs> the blackout years. We'll, we'll call those yeah. the COVID years. We'll call those. Yeah. Those should have been the COVID years. <laughs> if you guys know, Jerry Faust left Cincinnati Moeller High School. That was a dominant high school for high school football for 25 years and got hired as head coach of Notre Dame in 1981. And obviously his success was not very good. A great recruiter. He loved Notre Dame probably more than anybody. Just from a football standpoint, it never worked out. And I remember uh, being in high school and that all went down and Jerry Faust was let go at the end of the 85 season. And they thief shirts were made on campus. Send the Holy Roller back to Muller. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I got to throw this in here, Mike, as, as someone who's grown up 
rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you not mention Jerome Bettis? How do you not put the bus in in some of your favorite players? You said the night. You said the seventies. No, man, anywhere. Let's go. Oh, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jerome Bettis played at Notre Dame between nineteen ninety and ninety two. I don't know if you're aware of this, Mike, but Jerome Bettis is back on the Notre Dame campus right now, getting his degree. He went yeah. back. He's a he's an actual student living in the dorms, walking from class to class, eating in the dining hall. I mean, it's an awesome story. He obviously meets with the sports team that goes all around, but kids are all over campus taking pictures with Jerome Bettis, you know, NFL Hall of Famer going to class. And it, it's a fantastic story. Could you guys imagine just sitting down in class, maybe it's a freshman year, you look over and Jerome Bettis is sitting down next to you taking a class? Yeah, that's awesome. One of my very good friends lives in Dayton. His son is a sophomore at Notre Dame. And he actually has a class with Jerome Bettis. He said he, he's treated like everybody else in there. He said there's about 50 or 60 people in the class, and they all know who he is. And, you know, he, he introduced himself the first day, but he said, treat me like a normal student. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a great story, you know. It's a good story to show other people that, you know, he's been out of college, what, almost 30 years now, and he had an NFL career, Hall of Fame career, and he's going to go back and get that degree that he always wanted. Yeah, I mean, talk about a man who doesn't need to get his degree. He's pretty. I'm Correct. pretty sure he's pretty well set for life. You know, he's yeah. he's got his restaurants, a Hall of Fame career, probably endorsement deals out the wazoo. He's going back to get his degree. That shows that you should never give up on your dreams. Quick, quick, Jerome, better story for you, Mike. Back in 1990, he was one of the top running backs in the country. He had 40 some odd scholarship offers and. uh he came down, it was like two, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, you know, before last, National Limited Tent Day where you got to sign. And he had it down between Notre Dame and Michigan. Obviously, he was from Detroit and going to Michigan was a lot of pressure to stay at home. And his dad, he had two hats, the Notre Dame hat and the Michigan hat. And his dad said, hey, I got to get up to go to work at 6.30 tomorrow morning. You have to make a decision. He said, when I wake up at 6.30, when I come downstairs, whatever hat's on the table, I'll know that's where you're not going to school at because I want you to sleep in the hat that you're going to pick. You know, That's... go to bed. And he said hey, his dad went upstairs. He waited another hour, and his dad came down at six thirty. And the Michigan hat was sitting on the dining room table. And that's when the dad knew he had picked Notre Dame. That's a great story. Oh, I got one more story, story. Mike. You guys will love this recruiting story. We I had a, a show uh, back in between two thousand five and two thousand seventeen called the Notre Dame Radio Show. And one of the people we were honored to have on was Ross Browner, who played at Warren Western Reserve High School in Warren, Ohio then was an All-American in Notre Dame, and then played 14 years in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals as defensive end. And I, I asked Ross back in 1973 when you were recruited, how many scholarship offers did you have? He was a guest on our show like you're having me today. And he goes, honestly, I had about 100 offers. You name the school around the country, I had an offer. He said, I just threw them all in a shoebox in, in my closet. I had 100 different offers, scholarship. He said, you name the school north, south, east, west, I had a scholarship offer. He said, it finally came down to Notre Dame and Ohio State, you know, because those are two schools I like the most. And then ultimately he picked Notre Dame over Ohio State. And uh, a, couple, a legendary coach at Ohio State was named Woody Hayes back then. Woody Hayes won the paper a couple of days later because he was from Warren, Ohio. He's the best player in Ohio. He chose Notre Dame. He said he loved Eric Parsegian. He related more to him. He was a little bit younger. And Ross just liked Eric more than Woody Hayes at the time. And Woody Hayes won the paper a couple of days later and called Ross Brown or, quote, a traitor. So a year later, Ross had a younger brother named Joey Browner, who was also one of the top high school players in the country. So uh, Ross was at school. He said that 
his mom got a knock at the side door. And who's at the side door but Ohio State coach Woody Hayes. So Mrs. Mrs. Browner opens up the door and said, hi, Coach Hayes, can I help you? And she said, hi. He said, hi, Mrs. Browner, I'm here to recruit your son Joey to, to come play football for me at Ohio State. And she said, yeah, but Coach, Coach, Coach Hayes, last year when Ross picked Notre Dame, you called him a traitor. And Woody Hayes said, ah, I was just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a what a backslide on that. I was just, I was just joshing you. Yeah. <laughs> and Joey Brown went to Notre Dame as well. So Yeah. So Well, he wasn't going to Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Mike. There you go. There you go, yeah. Woody, Woody killed that one real quick. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't going to Ohio State. Real, <laughs> real quick, uh, I want your thoughts on the the backfield in the late '80s that had Rocket, I think Rocket Ishmael, Ricky Waters, and and uh, the quarterback's name was Rice, maybe. Yeah, Tony Rice. Yes. Yeah, Tony Rice. Tell me who was in that backfield. There were some. There were some NFL talent in that backfield. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you had Tony Rice, the quarterback. He's the last quarterback to the national championship in Notre Dame, the 1988 season. Uh, they beat number two USC in late November out of the LA Coliseum, and then they beat uh, West Virginia quarterback Major Harris won the national championship. But you had Tony Rice, the quarterback. Um, you had uh, Ricky Waters, a tailback. You had Rocket Ismail is a, a, a wide receiver, wingman, uh, running back, the Jackals, probably. You know, one of the fastest men I've ever seen, Joe, in college football. You know, I talk about electric with a football in his hands. Wow. He made big play after big play in his career. Uh, Tony Brooks was an also. Uh, Tony Brooks. Yes. That was the one I was thinking of. He played for the Redskins, did he not? That is uh, yeah. in, in the NFL. I thought he had a really good NFL career. Uh, Rodney Culver was in the backfield. Um, obviously, Jerome Bettis was back there. I mean, it was a who's who of running backs. I mean, um, amazing. They went, they went through a cycle there for about five or six years in the late 80s, early 90s that, you know, they had some of the top skilled players in the country going to school there. And were they running a wishbone style offense at that point with the three, a lot of three backs or am I, am I imagining that? You know, obviously Lou Holtz was the head coach at that time. Lou Holtz was the head coach in Notre Dame between 1986 and 96, 11 years and had a legendary career there. Um, and won a national championship in 88 and finished number two, I think three times as well. So he was right there and winning major bowl games, but, um, yeah, he ran the wishbone. He ran the power eye formation. Uh, um, obviously Tony, Rice was a much better running quarterback than he was a throwing quarterback. So, uh, I don't know if we lost you there, uh, Mike. You kind of froze up on us. Yeah. Oh, the wonderful qualms of technology. You, you with us, Mike? Yes. All right, we lost you there for a second. Kind of froze up on us. Uh, all good, though. It's the... The wonderful age that we're in with the technology and the Zoom era. Oh, yeah. So, I got to ask you this. What do you think about Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame? Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a true story. I was a fishing in a basketball game that night. It was Monday, November 29th. And we came in for during the varsity. I was doing a varsity game out of Noon Falls High School, about 25 minutes away here. And I had checked my cell phone before I went out for the second half. Okay. And I had no messages. Nothing was going on. And I came back in 35 minutes later after the ball game ended and I had 74 missed text messages in 40 minutes. 
And <laughs> I got to be honest with you guys. I wasn't surprised that Brian Kelly, I heard her rum. Obviously LSU was looking to make a big splash in college football. And they tried hard for Lincoln Riley, who ended up at USC. And I know they tried hard for a couple other big name coaches. And that, that kind of fell through. And I thought to myself, well, Brian Kelly's been in Notre Dame 12 years. Now he's the all time winningest coach in Notre Dame. And LSU's looking to make a big splash. So when I heard his name early in the day, it kind of rumbled it, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this, you know, maybe this could actually happen. And then, of course, it all hit all the internet that Brian Kelly was going to be uh, the new head coach at LSU. So I was somewhat surprised, but not shocked. I, I think that a lot of Notre Dame fans, uh, Mike and Joe, were ready to move on from Brian Kelly. And I think Brian Kelly was ready to move on from Notre Dame. Let, let me emphasize this. Brian Kelly did a lot of very good things in Notre Dame. He took on the old guard of the administration in a lot of areas that needed to be addressed. And in a 12-year time period, he was very successful a lot of things. Sometimes Notre Dame is their own worst enemy in regards to how college football operates. It's a very, very traditional school. I mean, that goes back, you know, sometimes they operate like they're in the 1960s or 1970s. Um, for example, there's no dorm rooms for athletes. Athletes, freshmen, sophomore, live on campus with the rest of the student body, you know. Their whole mancho down there is you're a student athlete and that you have to go to class. You have to take tests. You have to take quiz. You got to write papers. You got to do research. You have to do all those things that everybody else is doing. You know, you have to take uh, uh, real college courses, so to speak. And you have to, uh, and you, now they want you to graduate down there, guys, in three and a half years, not four. And there's no, there's only 14 majors on campus. So from an academic standpoint, I've been trying to explain this to people for years. There's no um, real place to hide academically. A lot of times people misconstrued, oh, they can't get kids in out of high school. That's not true. They can get them in, you know, with, with you know, an above average to average ACT, SAT score. But the reality is uh, a lot of – some of the better kids who are great football players who might not be that students end up leaving after a year or so because, you know, they're just having trouble from the academic end getting adjusted to – doing all the workload that they have to do as, as a student athlete there. And, and it, people say, oh, you're making excuses. You're doing all that. I'm just telling you the truth. Like, you know, um, getting kids in isn't that hard of a deal. It's keeping them in after a year, year and a half. That has been the hard deal over the last 20, 25, 30 years. And so when Brian Kelly left, I think he got tired of all that. I think he thought there were some restrictions there from an academic end that I'm not sure they existed. I think Brian Kelly is somewhat of a lazy recruiter, and he went with the time and effort into recruiting. And I think LSU offered him a deal for 10 years at $95 million with $68 million guaranteed. And at the age of 60, that was just too hard for him to turn down. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that. And first and foremost, that is probably the one thing uh, athletic-wise that I think that I love that Notre Dame does. A, mix it up with the with the athletes. Put them in with the regular population. Don't single them out and put them into other dorms, whatever, having their own area on campus. Plus, you have to be a student athlete. You have to be a student first. I think to even play there, you have to have like a 3.0 GPA minimum to, to even stay on the team. And that's, I heard that. I don't know if that's rumor. You might know that more. Mike, I don't think but- so. I don't think Mike, it's that high. I mean, they got guys that are average or above average students 
but they, they obviously, like any other school, they get tutors and they get people to help and all that other stuff, study tables and et cetera. So you just have to take advantage of those opportunities. Like uh, Joe and I are educators, okay? There is no education major at Notre Dame. So you can't major in uh, social studies education. You can't major in physical education. Okay? It's a liberal arts school. So uh, some of the majors down there, you know, are accounting or biology or the Mendoza College of Business, the number one college of business in America. And a lot of players go into that, but it's a very, very challenging academic workload they have to take on for sure. I mean, absolutely. But yeah, I, the one thing I'll say, I don't agree. And this is mainly football wise. They need to pick a conference. They, they need to pick a conference. The, the independent, I was with it at first doing their own thing, but let, the basketball team's already in the ACC. Why can't the football team jump on board and get into the ACC? Yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Mike? That's a good. That's a good one. That's a good Notre Dame question. What's your thoughts on them getting into a league? I was going to say, Mike, and, and the Notre Dame hockey men's hockey team is in the Big Ten. So you have the hockey team that's in the Big Ten. You have the other sports in the ACC, and you have football that's independent. It's hard to keep track of Notre Dame sports. Um, <laughs> Uh, as a as a fan, it wouldn't bother me. I mean, I, I think 2020 proved we had went to the COVID year. You remember, Notre Dame worked out a one-year deal with the ACC where they played 10 ACC games. Remember when said, oh, Notre Dame's going to get locked out, okay? But they cut a deal with the commissioner and said, and, and they finished 10-0 and in the ACC that year. So I, I, I think this, guys, if Notre Dame ever does join its full conference full-time, and I do not think you'll see that in the next five years. I do not see that happening. So, Mike, I know you're going to be disappointed by no. that, but if they do join a conference, it will be the ACC full-time. It will not be the Big Ten. No, I, I agree. I don't think they will. I just want to know why. They proved in the COVID years. They can hang in the ACC. They went 10-0. and I understand it was, you know, the shortened season and blah, 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 and COVID, whatever they want to, people want to say, but they proved they can hang. We'll be back after a quick break. Big labia energy. What if I eat a little cheese every day? <laughs> Just keep it. It's like I have a tolerance. Yeah, for cheese. Good Same job with cats. Your tolerance. Like if I pet a cat every day for the first week or two. I you going to say if I eat a cat a little bit every day, <laughs> starting at the tail, I just ate a little bit. I'd be fine. But if I didn't eat a cat for three months. I would totally start at the face. Why yeah. would you start at the tail? If someone put a gun to my head and said, eat this cat. I'm trying to think of We're an acceptable scenario. About a feline, right? <laughs> oh, did you think I was talking about pussy? Maybe it could go there. I don't want to eat a cat. I want to eat a pussy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think they have, they have traditional rivals they play every year. Who, who are the three traditional rivals they play every year? They play the United States Naval Academy because during World War II, Navy kept them open, and Notre Dame's indebted to that. And and you have Notre Dame fans who have said in the last 20 years, especially how Joe Navy plays with their chop blocking, you know what I mean? And guys get hurt. I mean, there's a lot of defensive linemen do not want to play against Notre Dame. If you've ever played against teams that run the, the wishbone and how they block from below the legs, it's not very appealing to defensive linemen. Um, uh, and they've been doing that since 19, since because the Naval Academy kept the University of Notre Dame open during World War II. Uh, they play USC every year since 1927, the greatest intersectional rivalry. Think about it, two schools 2,000 miles away play every single year, either in Los Angeles or South Bend. And, of course, they play Stanford every year. 
They want to play Stanford and USC because of California to keep those recruiting ties open. But my, my thing would be to you guys, if they did join the ACC full-time, they would have to get rid of some of those. You, you can't play a monstrous schedule every year. That, that's been, been my biggest. Jack Swarbrick's been AD at Notre Dame now for the last 15 years. And, like, I don't know if you gentlemen are aware, but Notre Dame opens next year, September 3rd, Saturday night, September 3rd, against Ohio State down in Columbus. That is the opening game, Notre Dame at Ohio State. And then later on in the year, they play Clemson at home. And then they play USC out on the road in Los Angeles now under um, new head coach Lincoln Riley, who will bring that program back. I, I don't think you have to overschedule, guys. And I think Notre Dame tries to go out of their way to play three or four really hard top 10 type teams. And I don't think you have to do that every year. I think when you go 11-1 and 12-0, and sometimes people overlook your schedule and say, well, you're 12-0. and <laughs> So... I- I, I agree. I, I think they're, they are the rare national brand that Notre Dame is. There are very few in, in collegiate sports and collegiate football in particular. Notre Dame has its own television station and, and it is, it isn't the Notre Dame football station. It's NBC. That's incredible. So they have that. And then they have, they have a national prominence. They have a national prominence that what is the upside in them joining the ACC? What's the upside is, what is it? I don't know. Is it a match? Are they going to get more playoff berths? Well, they got, they've got been in the playoffs plenty of times in the last eight years. It doesn't, that, to me, I, I think they're, they're, a rare, they're a rare brand that plays, they're a, almost countercultural in what they're doing. And it's, uh, it's actually a breath of fresh air. Because of, the, because of the population shift, Joe, over the last 25, 30 years, uh, they look at the ACC conference and their ability, especially football, 95% of this is football driven, right? Is to recruit places like Florida and Georgia and the Carolinas and Virginia that you can promise kids, hey, look, we play a lot of games in three or four years in that area of the country. Mom and dad can come watch you play and only get in the car and drive. You know, obviously games in South Bend, mom and dad have, might have to drive 10, 11, 12 hours one way and then turn on and drive 12 hours home. So, that is one thing when you were, whether you're Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, when you recruit kids from 1,500 miles away, people forget about mom and dad and brothers and sisters who want to watch you play too. And sometimes that's not always easy for them to get the ball games because the university is going to do so much to help them financially to get the games. But um, part of that is a recruiting base, the ability to go down to the Carolinas and Georgia and Florida and recruit those kids and say, we're playing the ACC. Where if they join the Big Ten per se, they might not be able to go down south and recruit those kids up north and say, hey, we're playing Ohio State or Minnesota or Wisconsin or Illinois compared to say, hey, we're playing Florida State or we're playing Georgia Tech or we're playing Virginia Tech or we're playing Virginia or now. So you think so you think that joining the ACC would be beneficial? Would, it would increase the Notre Dame football program? I'm saying, Joe, if they do, I do not see them joining the conference in the next five years. I do not see that happening. But if they did, the conference they would join would be the ACC and not the Big Ten. And that would be beneficial because of their southern recruiting roots. Correct, yes. That they see the population shift going southward. As far as better overall football players at the high school level, 16, 17, 18-year-olds playing high school football, say in Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, Virginia, that that's a more fruitful recruiting base compared to, say, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, you know, over the last 20, 20 years. And, and slightly less saturated. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
I feel like I, I brought this up. I probably shouldn't have because we could. T- I could talk about. They could have a whole episode just on that topic alone. Because uh, my Zoom's telling me we got about seven minutes left before it cuts us off. So I don't. I want to get everything in here, uh, especially you being a also a referee, Mike, and um, and an umpire. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time with. Uh, old coach Cowhurt down there. What, what's the relationship with, you know, coaches to referees? Have you seen some bad ones? And how do you manage those? I got a great question for Mike right now. And this is because it's close. Uh, our, our local uh, basketball team played in a district championship game um, on Friday, this past Friday night. Okay. They're, they're, in, they're in double overtime. They're the, Newcastle basketball is the number three team in the state of Pennsylvania. They're playing Laurel Highlands, the number one team. So it's a, it's a high level matchup. Great game. They're in double OT of a district championship. Uh, the, they, the point guard for Laurel Highlands in a tie game in double overtime drives to the basket. Um, gets a little bit of contact, um, and is slightly out of control. So I guess I go both ways. As the time, as time is expiring, he throws up basically kind of a prayer, uh, that misses and a foul is called on a fifth. I mean, it's a questionable, it's a questionable call. Is it a foul or not? But is that the appropriate time to call a foul? Do you call that foul on the very last possession of the game? Are you like by the book, a foul is a foul? Or do you say, Hey, let's play another four minutes and let these guys decide it. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? Hey, Joe, Mike said we're running out of time, so I probably won't be able to answer this question. <laughs> um, obviously, I'd have to see the video or tape. I mean, based upon your description, like, <laughs> based upon your description, uh, referees and a terminology in the locker room, you know, when you're with other referees, call. Uh, we, we would call that a bailout call. Did, did the player get bailed out? Like, I would say to the player, I'm not bailing you out there. Like, you know, you put yourself in an awkward position right there. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously not seeing the video or tape, I, I'd have to see it. You know, in a close game, Joe, whether I'm refereeing or umpire, I re- always remind myself, let the players determine things. You know, make sure you see something. Make sure you have something. Make sure you... Like, literally, I just had a close ball game here in Ohio about a week and a half ago with Phil, Pack, Jim, an undefeated team is going for an undefeated regular season. They have the ball with eight seconds left to go in the game. They're down one point on their basket. And, you know, and nothing happened. Kid didn't shoot a jump shot, and they missed, and they their undefeated season was over. But I reminded myself that whole time, make sure you have something. Make sure you have something. And no, those are just good fundamentals for any referee or fish or umpire in a close game at the very end. Yeah, it was just a bad way to end it. I mean, it's the, it was the elite matchup of the, in the state of Pennsylvania, yeah. and it got and it got it decided he, on a bailout. Did he make the free throw show? Oh yeah, yeah, something zero time left in double overtime made him both. Okay, oh, man. All right, I got to get this segment in because if I don't, uh, Fitty will be so mad that these questions went un, un, unasked. Uh, Joe knows about this, but Mike, I didn't mention this for a reason. It's the Fast Fitty Five. Five random questions from the wonderful manager of this show, Johnny Fitty Falcone. And, Mike, these have nothing to do with what we've been talking about for the entire time. I just got these questions. I'm just now reading these for the first time, too, as well. So these are kind of rapid fire. They really got to be rapid fire. We got four minutes left to answer these questions. Um, So here we go. Um, 
Question number one. What's better on the grill, chicken or steak? Chicken. Chicken, okay. Who wins in a fight, Michael Myers from Halloween or Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh, it's got to be Michael Myers. He never dies. Exactly. That's a, That was a toss-up, I think. All right. Number three, is Giant Eagle an overrated or underrated grocery store? Um, mostly overrated. So high prices, except you want to get chicken, buy one, get one free. So mostly overrated. Okay. And number four, the best kind of donut is... Blueberry. Blueberry, all right. Uh, oh, wow. Um, is LeBron James' time in Los Angeles been a failure or a success? It's got to be a success because in, in that COVID-shortened season, he won a, a championship, and they had gone several years without getting one, so he put his name on the marquee out there by winning a title in 2020. Okay, that 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 was a really truncated fast fifty five. I normally like to let people elaborate, but we got like two minutes left before Zoom cuts us off, and I want to give you some time here. Anything you want to get out there, Mike? Uh, I'll give you about a minute, and the floor is yours. Oh, I just you know, uh, I, I as we roll into big day here in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers goes back to the Packers. Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos. As a Cleveland Browns fan. I've been pushing hard the last two months to get Russell Wilson to Cleveland. Uh, I wanted to give up Baker Mayfield and two number ones and a number two to Seattle to get, uh, but obviously that didn't work out. He's going to go to Denver. So that's another very difficult team in the AFC now. Look look at the Browns division. I'm a diehard Browns Indians Cavs guy, or I should say Guardians, excuse me. And uh, now you have, uh, you in our the NFC North, AFC North, you have uh, the Lamar Jackson with the Ravens, Joey Burrow with the Bengals. And now look at the quarterbacks. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Josh Allen. You have Russell Wilson. You have uh, Justin Herbert out with the L.A. Chargers. You know, it's almost going to be impossible for the Browns to get out of the AFC with all those great quarterbacks now. Yeah. Uh, Joe. And I got to Joe is a Steelers fan, correct, Joe? Absolutely. Yeah. They need to root for I'll be rooting for somebody else for the next 10 years, but I'll enjoy watching these other good quarterbacks play. <laughs> I was going to say, Joe, any last words here? Being no, a host for the show. Happy, happy St. Patrick's Day, boys. It was a, it was a blast. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking. Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to get into a lot of Irish stuff, but unfortunately we are out of time and zoom is, Quickly telling me we are we are out of time, unfortunately. Thanks, Mike. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody, too. Thanks, Joe. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Yep. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody out there. Be safe if you go out uh, this weekend or anything like that. Be safe out there. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Ride Home Brands podcast. I want to thank Joe and Mike for being on the show. This was a great episode. As always, if you enjoyed the show, be a friend, tell a friend. If you don't, tell them anyways. They might like it just because you didn't. That's going to do it for all of us, and we will see y'all next week. Recording stopped. The Ride Home Brands podcast is brought to you by Dubby Energy. Energy drinks made for gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. For gamers, streamers, and podcasters alike. Go to the link in the description where you can find the best energy drinks out there. Less caffeine than a cup of coffee. Also, 
No jitters and no crash afterwards. Use the promo code Mike Bono and get yourself 10% off. Also, the Ride Home Rants podcast is brought to you by my favorite sponsor of the show, and that is Shankit Golf. Golf apparel made for the everyday golfer. We might not go out and shoot a six under par. We're probably going to shoot a six over par, but... This is going to give us the gear that's going to help us rock it on and off of the course. Go to the link in the bio, use the promo code Mike Bono, and get yourself 10% off there as well. <laughs> 